0: with you all. It's been a while. It's been a while. I tell you, it seems like just yesterday I made that phone call and got bent on the phone and the rest is history, but it's not even begun yet. I was going to say, can I stand in the middle? I feel sort of odd over here. (laughs) Anyway, um, I love the Word of God. There's power there that we cannot imagine in our human minds. There's power in the Word of God to bring salvation to the lost. There's power in the Word of God to give us joy immeasurable. There's power in the Word of God that in even our regenerated minds we are in awe of. There is nothing in the cosmos that can stop God's Word. Nothing that will cause it to return void. Nothing that will cease its forthgoing. Nothing that will shut it out. It will always be forever powerful. John establishes this in such a way as where our namesake is in John 1. Uh, grace, truth, grace, and truth. We have seen the fullness of the glory of God in the person of Jesus Christ. You know, in the Greek there it says that no one has ever seen God. But the one God at his side has made him known. We have seen the glory of God face to face. I don't know why. Just I'm overwhelmed with joy. This is very atypical for teaching. Um, with tears, but I'm overwhelmed with joy to see Christ, to see him in his word. Praise God. Turn to 2 Timothy with me. God's word is what I plan to teach on today. And the songs that you've sung today have been straight from the Scripture, the the pretext as you put them, not pretext, the, the the prior text that you put up before you sing them, and then the words that you sing establish those truths. They establish the truths in every aspect of what you've vocalized with your harmonies this morning. That's why important, when Paul says that we should sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to one another, to the church of Colossae, He does so with all authority for God in his power. The Holy Spirit speaks through Paul's pen. So when we preach and when we hear the word of God and when we sing the word of God, God works in us. And our world today, we look at the calamity of the world that we live in. We look at the calamity of our nation. We look at the calamity of the culture around us and we see that the church holistically throughout the history of Christendom has come to a place where they have tried every flavor and every measure of opportunity to change the outcome of society. Even I, in the years of the megachurch movement, when it seemed like the more butts in the seats and the more dollars in the box, we were successful. You know, baptized. Oh my gosh, how many did we baptize that year? You won't believe it. 300 in 2000 and, uh, two, one, 2001. And I would say 290 of them were unregenerate. We used everything but Scripture to bring them to the faith. You see? It was incredible. We got plaques and awards and ribbons and balloons and stickers and smileys. Oh, look at this church. This is the example to follow, wasn't the example to follow. And I think that is part of why I see and get so emotional when I think of all the years that I waste, I have wasted teaching everything but Christ through Scripture and trying to exercise some sense of control or manipulation in a way that I thought was changing the world (laughs) for the better but it doesn't change the world does it does it change the world to get people to draw into something that's not eternal it's garbage it's like John would say in his first epistle chapter 2 when he says do not love the world or the things in the world For those things are passing away. They're garbage. It's like me going outside today after service and finding the nearest trash can and digging out my lunch. Or worse, holding it till next Sunday. That's what the the world offers us. That's what the enemy offers us. When When he stood before the creator that breathed him into existence, and he says, if you just bow down before me, I'll give you all this. And Jesus is thinking, I rolled that out like this. Like a child rolling a snake in Plato. I said, let there be. And the world was. You're going to give me something I rolled out on the table. I made that. Are you going to tell me? You're going to give it to me? I made you. You know, if I were Jesus, that's what the narrative would say. Who do you think you're talking to? I don't talk to me that way. I am the word of God. You're going to use me against myself? What, are you crazy? Yeah, he's crazy. And I think sometimes I preached several years ago a little series called "The Devil in the Pulpit," and I did so because there was a time in my ministry where I was the devil's puppet in the pulpit. Charisma drove my focus, not truth, and I was blind to it. I didn't see it. it so I was taught to do. Mentors who come up with all these initials after their names, and they've got, they've got, you know, Lexus and planes and all sorts of things in the sense of not literally, but in the sense of ministry, they've got all the nice expensive toys and they've got all the nice following and they've got the great stage and the great platform. They're always in the Christian index and they're always on television and they're everywhere. When they tell you something, you think, well, I need need to listen to that. But it was about 2004 where God said, and the word of God came alive to me and I was using a terrible translation, the New Living Translation. The only thing alive about that is that it used to be a tree. <laughs> and in that terrible translation of Scripture, God showed me the truth of His sovereignty and the power of His Word as I sat in the office of a mega church. And I mean, my office was not this big, but it looked similar to this. A nice new carpet and nice brick walls. And I wondered, why cannot these people who are Christians? Be satisfied with Scripture? Why can they not be satisfied with Christ? Why is there so much whining and complaining? And some of you know exactly what I'm talking about because you've whined and complained, and then some of you have been the victims of the whiners and the complainers. I know I have. And I would ask, I'd say, Lord, what is going on? How can we have a thousand people? in every service, Saturday night, Sunday morning, Sunday morning, Sunday morning. We had three on Sunday morning. How can we have all these people, and when we have a Bible study, it's like me and the sound guy. How can we have four bands and three choirs, and then when the preaching starts, they go to the green room and hang out for an hour. I'm not lying. Where's the guitarist? Oh, there it is drink some water that. that big performance we just did after all, our soundboard was two hundred thousand dollars lights and sound talk about a waste of money That don't what I came here to talk to about today but it's the it's the foundation in which God brought me it's how he brought me through ministry saved me by the Word of God at a very young age taught me the basics by the Holy Spirit and those people like Timothy a grandmother and a mother who taught the Word of God. But then ministry, you know, you you know the truth, now let's do something cool with it. Let's do something else. Where are the Christians here? Where is the love for the brethren? Why do we have business meetings about this and that and the other instead of Bible studies and tearful prayer meetings? Why do when the brothers and sisters of the church have problems, we call them EGRs, extra grace required? because they're, they're in the way of what we're trying to do. No, beloved, what you're doing right here is what God has called us to do. And it just, it just starts and collaborates here and accumulates here, but it goes out that door and it goes out into the lives that we live. And sometimes what we do as our job is so secondary to the prayer on our heart while we're trying to accomplish that which we're paid to do, so secondary that we can lose track of it because we're so burdened for each other. We're so burdened for our brothers and sisters in the Lord. We're so burdened for our neighbors and our family who are lost. We're so burdened for the joylessness that takes place in our everyday life that we don't know what we shall do. I will tell you what we shall do. The Lord shall provide a lamb. 2 Timothy 3. I'll read, I'll read the whole thing, and then we'll talk about a couple of verses here. Paul has reminded Timothy, hey, you know what, brother, you, you don't forget where you come from. You don't forget that God the Holy Spirit has given you this charge. Timothy, this young man, being the elder in charge of appointing other elders and establishing the church in the whole region of Ephesus. And this is, this is like, you know, somebody's like when, when, when Sovereign Grace started, as, when you started as a people in covenant, it like Ben saying he's got to have charge of making sure every Christian in Bullock County is accounted for. It's a big, a big responsibility. And here's Timothy going, wow, what am I supposed to do? I can't, I can't do this. So Paul gives him pastoral teaching here. And then in verse 3, he says, but understand this. Though this is true for you and you should flee these youthful passions, and though you should understand that you're not to be quarrelsome and you've got to be patient, you've got to kind of be teaching, but understand this, that in the last days there will come times of difficulty. For, why difficulty? For, people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God having the appearance of godliness but denying its power. Avoid such people. And then he gives an example. For among them of those who creep into households and capture weak women, burdened with sins and led astray by various passions, always learning but never able to arrive at the knowledge of the truth. Just as uh, Jonas and John verse opposed Moses, so these men also opposed the truth. Men corrupted in mind and disqualified regarding the faith. But they will not get very far For their folly, their foolishness will be plain to all, as was that of those two men. Now our text. You, however, you, however, have followed my teaching, my conduct, my aim in life, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness, my persecutions and sufferings that happened to me at Antioch and Iconium and Lystra, which persecutions I endured, yet from them all the Lord rescued me. Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted, while evil people and impostors will go on from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you have learned it and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings which are able to make you wise for salvation through Christ Jesus." All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may com- be complete, equipped for every good work. Let me pray. Father, please, by your infinite mercy, God, please help me teach this focused and succinctly. But more importantly, let your word manage our hearts and maneuver us into a place of awe and worship and satisfaction and peace and everything that you've promised us, which is ours in Christ Jesus. And I pray it in his name. Amen. Well, there's a lot of things that I'd like to teach here, and that's the one thing about coming in for a Sunday. I like to just stay here for seven or eight hours and we just talk and have a good time. But the Lord is faithful and he doesn't need me word is sufficient. And that's what I want to talk about today. In our culture, just like I shared with you about some past that I have, wondering where are the Christians? Why are we seeing so lack of interest in spiritual things? Friends, what I was then taught when I began to posit those questions to those mentors around me is that we must assimilate people. We must give them something that they can have some ownership in so then they will be responsible to being actively involved in the life of the church. Okay, that's great. Let's do it. And then one thing led to another. But what happened is it never brought about spiritual change. It just brought about a love for the stuff, a love for the stage, a love for whatever else might be their responsibility, but not a love for Christ, and certainly not a love for Christ's people. And in our world, we see a political environment like I've never seen in my lifetime, and it's not been that long of a lifetime. But some of you are going, yeah, me either. I mean, we see a a social media medium, that means companies, for-profit companies that have opportunity for us to use their applications on the Internet to talk and relate to each other, that through those mediums, things are changing. It reminds me of the Gutenberg Press. Like when people began to print books and what a change that made in the world all of a sudden social media is like the secondary press it's something else and we're buying into it, hook line and sinker and if you've never gotten into a theological debate on Facebook you have not missed a thing but you probably see it and heaven help if you say oh brother please watch yourself that you might not fall into temptation can you please be kind to this young Christian who ask a sincere question on my post that has nothing to do with you or your family or your canary. Can you please be quiet? And then the next thing you know, you're a heretic because you're taking up for whoever the world they think you're taking up for. We don't have time for these things, but there is a hard problem in our culture, and it's not just social media. It's everywhere. It's in our communities. Why do churches split the same issue Why why is ministry so, why is the gospel so devoid in our area? Why do we have to come? By the way, you know, our our church is Sovereign Grace Truth Baptist Church. We believe in sovereign grace. And that label by itself even carries a a multiplicity of uh, definitions. But why are there not, why is not every church a sovereign grace church? You know why? Because they have forsaken the Word of God. Why, are we, why do we see Christian groups push and press into the center of trying to manipulate behavior? What are we supposed to do? How are we going to overcome the evil in the world? How are we going to change this division? How are we going to help our politics? How is America going to be great again? All these things. Well, what we need to do, some people say, is we need to develop some programs and some ministries and some social ministries, some social things that we could do. Maybe we can have this, maybe we can have that, and all of a sudden we can sing Kumbaya, light a lot of fire, and we're all happy. Everything will be good if we could just get this. I attend a lot of meetings in my in my area in the county I attend every meeting I can that's got to do with government or has to do with society or any and I just listen I like a fly on the wall I just want to listen and then well pastor Tippins you haven't said anything because you don't want to hear what I have to say number one stop having these meetings number two this is stupid stop throwing money at these programs how many of you claim Christ everybody raising their hand this is the gospel to all these people you See, preach the Word of God teach them the Matthew 28:19, the Great Commission, as we call it, is not handing out tracts and saying, "Hey, repent, believe the gospel." It says, "What? Teach people Christ." And Jesus says, "All that I've commanded, everything, the total counsel of God's word." We're to be discipling people, not just throwing out sound bites. Now, there's nothing wrong with sound bites. Sometimes it's what we do to get attention. It's good. Good evangelism sometimes deals with that. But what are we supposed to do to overcome? Some people say, well, we need to have an answer to felt needs. We've got people who are hungry. Let's find an answer to felt needs. There's nothing wrong with getting food. People who are naked, they need new clothes. Let's get them some clothes. There's people who are thirsty. Let's give them some water. But that's not the answer. It's good things to do, just like it's good to vacuum your carpet. But that has nothing to do with eternity. It's just good and tidy and health conscious. People come in and they won't be afraid to walk in your house. I'll just stay out here in the yard so we don't have to worry about felt needs what's the greatest need the one that isn't felt because in the, in the mind of a depraved person who cannot see the glory of god because they are blinded by their sin the only need that they don't know they have is the only one they really need which is jesus christ which is a powerful supernatural act of God to regenerate their soul that they might be made alive in Christ that he is glorified then as Paul would say to the church of Ephesus to the praise of his glorious grace God is glorified in us because he's done all the work in us and he gets all the praise from us and he's do it all some people believe behavior modification is in order this was the youth ministry of the 1980s and 90s cut your hair pull your pants up brush your teeth take that mirror rings out you know, get rid of them rat tails. You know, remember rat tails? <laughs> Boy, y'all love the rat tails to be the only problem we had right now with young people, right? Don't talk back. Say, yes, ma'am, no, ma'am, yes, sir, no, sir. Get a job. Save your money. Go to college. Get you a job at McDonald's. <laughs> I mean, you know. This, this, what are we going to do? We're going to change this behavior. How are we going to change the behavior? D.L. Moody had a great idea. Let's start, let's start an organization. It could be Young Men's Christian Association, uh, and, and we can just we can get all these kids into this, this little thing that they do, and we can reach them for Jesus because they're going to learn to play basketball. Or they're going to learn to do this. Or they're going to learn to do that. We're going to have basket weaving, and everybody will be happy they won't be killing each other because they'll be ha- weaving baskets. That works well until there's no money to eat and you've got to go rob your neighbor so you can feed your children. Or maybe you're just greedy and you just like to rob folks. No matter the motivation, it's evil. Behavior modification isn't what we need. We don't need people to stop having foul language. We need people to be born again by the Holy Spirit of God. Some people would say, well, we need more laws or we need stricter standards. I've been told in the last year that drinking coffee on the Lord's Day is a sin. And I thought to them, well, if that's a sin, if I didn't drink coffee, you'd never hear a word of God. Because I don't, you know, coffee doesn't wake me up. I wake up so that I can drink coffee. I love it, but it it just motivates me. I drink just enough. I drink too much, and I can't focus. Some believe that there need to be stricter standards when it comes to Puritanism. I mean, how would you like to be a Puritan these days? These chairs would be an abomination. We can see their legs. That's why the skirts are on certain styles of sofas and chairs because the legs of a piece of furniture was so symbolic and so akin to the leg of a woman that these men said well let's cover those legs up too true story we don't need stricter standards we have the standard and it's perfection we're not going to meet it and by the holy spirit of god we've been given a new heart who we who are in christ so we desire to strive to the things that god's called us to and the whole totality of the law has been broken down and boiled down, if you will, condensed into two things, to love the Lord your God with all you are and to love your neighbor as yourself. So we don't need these things. What do we need? Well, see, in contrast to the sick, dying, wicked world of which had invaded the local assembly of believers, many of them have the appearance of godliness but deny its power. They were causing problems. They were causing friction. They were not holding To the sound doctrine we see that the paul's first letter you know what it was the church of galatia the region of galatia many churches and if you know anything about if you study any greek at all and you read paul's letter this is a hurried angry frustrated almost paul might have been a little sinful he wasn't but you know his tone would have been called out in this in our current culture who has bewitched you are you idiots i mean you know If we said, you know, Ben, if you sat up here and said, y'all a bunch of idiots, I mean, there would be friction. And I'm not saying that's wise to do. But that's sort of what Paul did for the church of Galatia. What's wrong with you? Who Who has caused this? Why are you following after these stricter standards? It's about Christ alone. He uses the hyperbole. He says, we taught you that. Now you're moving on to something else. And if even an angel comes down from heaven and teaches you something different, anathema. Be forever cut off from Christ. You want to start cutting your body? You're cut off from Christ. It's not, you don't add to the gospel. The word of God is all that you need. Don't follow this way, Timothy. Don't follow this way, beloved. Don't follow this way, church. Don't follow the way of the world. He says in verse 10, you followed my teaching, my conduct, my aim in life, my faith, my patience, my steadfastness, my love. And he's not talking about his Judaism. We have, we have the letter to the Philippians. We know what he's talking about. He said all of that was nothing to the priceless gain of knowing Christ, the Lamb of God that God has given for his people, the one who has particularly redeemed his own elect church. I find it very interesting that I've even had someone tell me this week who was a very learned man. He does not, I quote, I do not believe in the doctrine of election. That means he does not believe that the Bible teaches election i like, well, what the world is the word in there for? Chosen, elect. What is it there for? And some people say, well, that's an academic issue. No, it's not. It's the gospel. In John 6, Jesus died for his sheep, you see. And this is part of how we learn the word of God. The word of God will wreck our cultural distinctions in our theology. Oh, you know, I just think Jesus is like this. Well, I guess I'm wrong. Well, I just always believed God was, well, I'm, I'm an idiot again. I mean, you know, we're ignorant sometimes. But when the scripture teaches us, the Holy Spirit goes, oh, I don't know how to deal with it, but it's true, I see it there. Context. How do we overcome these things? With the word of God. Paul says to follow my aim, follow after my teaching. Paul has taught Timothy and has shown Timothy his purposes, his life, the fruit of the Spirit within him. And he says, you, Timothy, have followed after me. And he also says in the place of Scripture, you follow after me as I follow after what? Who? Christ. So I've taught you. Now remember what I've taught you. And then he says in verse 11, he says, my persecutions and sufferings that happened to me at Antioch and Iconium and Lystra, these persecutions I endured, yet from them the Lord rescued me. Now I find that very interesting because he's talking about all this all this preparation for ministry and then these people who are causing a lot of problems and causing a lot of dissension. In our day, it's easy just to go, you know, I don't want in this fight. I'm I'm done. I'm backing up. Just let me be an usher and I'll just be quiet. (laughs) You know? Usher relates very, you know, you can go from usher and then you can, I don't know, work at a toll booth. I mean, you don't have to really interact. You don't have to get into the conversation. Just hand them the stuff. Tell them good morning. Just be done with it. I don't want to hear it. And I know that that seems like a safe place, but it's not a safe place. It's not a place that God has called us as Christians. It also doesn't mean that we have to be the opposite of silent by just being engaged in everything. But we do need to understand that Paul, because he lived out his faith and he taught his faith, that it caused a lot of people to look at him differently. And I know the story of how God established Sovereign Grace, Statesburg. And I know the story of how God established Grace Truth Church. And I know the story of how God established other churches throughout the country and brothers that I've known. And I know that it's all not been a bed of roses, that it's come through trial, and it's come through pain, it's come through suffering. And you know what? That suffering most likely has come because we've stood as believers on the foundations of the truth of Scripture. Kindly, patiently, tearfully. No, 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 I I love you, but what you're saying is wrong. This is what the Scripture teaches. Can you please change? Can you please repent? Can your mind change? It can't change if the Holy Spirit of God doesn't grant it. We must realize this, that when we stand and live out our faith according to the truth, not according to the standards of men, not according to the modification, not according to the strict standards of the laws or the programs or the felt needs or all of the things that the world likes to say are biblical. But when we stand on the truth of what the Scripture teaches, it brings persecution. It brings persecution. He says, this life that I live by faith, you know what Paul says? It's not I who live, but Christ who lives within me. For this life I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So I stand on the convictions of Christ. Christ is my hope. He is my life and my gain. To live is Christ and to die is far better, Paul says. So in this continued equation, Paul would say these persecutions and these problems that the truth of Scripture is the source of my suffering. It is a gift of God. It is because of Christ and me standing on this foundation that I suffer. People hate me because they hate Christ. A very popular pastor has just been quoted saying this past week that we need to come in a place as and he's a southern Baptist as a southern Baptist where we recognize that Jehovah's Witnesses and Islam and Catholicism and Judaism all worship the same God they just are calling him a different name and they don't really understand the fullness of the truth friends the truth minus 1 billionth of a percent is a lie these cults and world religions Do not worship the same God, even though they may say it is the God of Isaac, or the God of Jacob, or the God of Abraham. Jesus is the God of Abraham. No one comes to the Father except through me. Don't say you love the Father and you hate me, Jesus says. You search the Scriptures, Jesus says, for salvation, for in them you think you can find it. But they speak of me, and you reject me. You do not come to me that you may have life. Here I am. I'm the bread of life that gives life to the world. You must eat of my flesh and drink of my blood. Oh, this is difficult, they say. That's my sermon next week for Grace Truth. Who can stand this teaching? Only the regenerate church can stand that teaching. Whether people get angry, or whether people hate you, or whether people divorce you, or whether people run you over or fire you or hold you up for a promotion or just treat you with disdain or turn the other way at the coffee shop or no longer ask you to their barbecues, whatever it might be, persecution will come when we stand on the word of God. One of the Baptist distinctions of the Reformation was Sola Scriptura, the word of God alone. And I'm proud to say that. The problem is we have failed to recognize just how deep the authority of God's Word is. And in our humanity and in our imagination and in our uh, uh, what's the word intelligence, we're intelligent beings. We can come up with all sorts of answers besides Scripture. The power of God through His Word. Paul has already said to Timothy, endure, what does he say there? Endure the grace of God which is yours by the grace of God which is yours in Christ Jesus over in chapter one, chapter two. Endure, stand firm in that. Don't get away from the suffering, stand firm in the suffering because the grace of God is yours in Christ. So, the power of God is yours, the gospel is yours, the word of God is yours, and the word of God enables us to endure in these things. And this is what Paul is teaching young Timothy right here. He says in verse 12, though I got ahead of myself, indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ will be persecuted. I've given some examples of that. Persecution just because somebody's not in the same program. I remember in 2012 having a meeting with some people who are part of a credentials committee, and they said, I was not of like faith, and order because our church polity was different. Polity, we had elders, not a board of trustees or a deacon group, you know. Really? I know a lot of Baptist churches that have elders. Well, not around here. Which is not true, it's not true. So I'm not of like faith, so I don't, I've rejected the gospel of grace? Where, where is this? Oh, yes, yeah, so in our opinion, you're not of like faith, but you're not with a program. One question was asked of me, so, Mr. Tippins, could your church fire you this Sunday morning after the service? I said, I guess if they hired me first, they could fire me. Well, you know what I mean. Could they stand up and somebody call a vote and get you out of there? I said, no, but they could bring me under public discipline and ask me to step down because I was living in unrepentant sin. Oh, that's just stupid. That was the response, you know. One day you'll grow up and understand how the Bible works and how church is supposed to work. See, I was persecuted because I wasn't with, and, and I agreed, I said, you're right, but not about this. You know, of course I'm going to grow up one day and learn how the Bible works and how the church works a lot, more, a lot more better than I do now, even. Even though I've been in the ministry 21 years, half of it was a wash, a waste. Not by the Lord's grace, it's not. But we're persecuted because we're not with the program, the norm of society. We don't believe this. We don't accept that. We don't agree with these things. So we're persecuted. Why? Because the Bible says, you know, every time you see that in an academic yeah. culture, well, the Bible says, oh, you believe the Bible? You're such an idiot. It's the fifth time I've used that word today. I think. <laughs> I think it is. But that's what, that's what you do. You know, you're trying to, well, the Scripture says, well, I don't want to hear what the Scripture says. Well, that's my source of truth. Well, you're just dumb. It's a bag of rocks. I thought you were intelligent well I am but I'm a fool when it comes to Christ I am dumb when it comes to Christ 1st Corinthians chapter 1 says no one's wise Paul even came says I did not come with eloquent speech or wisdom but I chose to preach only Christ and him crucified lest the cross lose its power why for it's all of God when God regenerates through the stupid message of the cross through that silly childish ridiculous message of the cross that the human mind cannot comprehend as with with substance or sufficient <coughs> Paul said God is glorified in the salvation of his people through this silly message which he preaches through us. Silly people. As a matter of fact, we see the apostles, the unlearned men who were fishermen and other carpenters and others. And what does the, the Bible say? What does what Dr. Luke quote? He says that people looked at them and they were amazed that these unlearned men spoke with such wisdom. Spoke with such wisdom. The world looks at what we do when we're not with the program, and when we say, "Oh yeah," but the Bible, they go, "Oh my gosh, one of those." Why? Because we have so many fundamental brothers and sisters who just love to use the Bible frivolously. And in some sense, if we were to be honest, we're probably that way in a lot of aspects too, like coffee. I don't know what the Bible says or no? I know that's a lie, 'cause it's Hebrews. I mean, you know, old joke. <laughs> it's an old joke. Rpw, anybody? And we're persecuted not because we're just not with the program but sometimes we're not no longer in the religion of the day you're not of like faith and order because many who claim to be in the truth will depart they will gather up teachers they will gather up teachers and they will they will become relevant to the culture though they may still have the status as being the people of God they will not teach the truth of God because they have put the scripture they've relegated the scripture as this where's the bylaw book again (laughs) I haven't seen the Constitution of the Bible in a couple of weeks. Where do we put that thing? Where's the instructions to the grill that we set up five years ago? We don't know. That's how that's how people look at the Bible. Many professing Christians, they don't know where their Bible is. on Sunday so morning, you've seen my Bible? You know? I haven't seen it in a week, Dad. Oh, still in the car. Okay, oh, I left it at church. Whew, I'm glad I didn't lose that. It was expensive. Pagers are still stuck together. I mean, you know. Many claim to be in the truth, but they're not. And when we stand on the truth of Scripture, they'll say, no, 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 no! you're different. You're a weirdo. Don't come around here telling us all that stuff. Sometimes we're persecuted because of our love, because of our care, because of our joy, because we focus on the Christian life. By faith, we stand along with Christ, and it will cause others to hate us, and as I've already said, because they hate our Lord. In verse 13, Paul then goes to say, while... All who will desire to live a godly life in Christ will be persecuted. Evil people and imposters, fake believers. That's what he says by there. People who say they're in the faith, but they're really fake. They're hypocrites. They're acting. They're in the church. They might even be deacons. They might even be pastors. They might be Sunday school teachers. They might be founding members. They might have put the first brick down for the new building. They might write for LifeWay, They may be an evangelist and have seen bajillion decisions for Jesus. But they're imposters if they depart from the truth of Scripture. They're imposters when they become more relevant to the world because the Scripture is not relevant to the world. It makes no sense to the world until the world or those in the world who are called by God effectually are regenerated and they see. That's the whole idea of repentance. The whole idea of repentance. Our mind has been transformed. Evil people, they go on from bad to worse. They deceive and they're being deceived. Verse 14 says, but as for you, he goes back to this, he goes this positive, this negative, this positive, this negative, now this back to this positive, but as for you, continue, continue. And this is the meat of where we are today. The point that I want you to see today is that the scripture, the Bible, is the cause, the truth of the scripture is the cause of our persecution, It's the cause of our stress, It's the cause of our frustration because we are in the world and the world does not know him but the Bible is still sufficient in order to endure in these circumstances. The Bible is sufficient to reach the lost for Christ. The Bible is sufficient to supply our very need and the divine power of God for life and godliness, as Peter would say, is found only through scripture. The revelation of God in its totality, in his totality, is only found on the pages of scripture. Hebrews chapter one, in many times, in many ways, God spoke to our forefathers through the prophets. But in these last days, he speaks to us through his son. John 1: In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God. The Word became flesh. We have seen the glory of God face to face, full of grace and truth. This is the only way we know God. It isn't through uh, some books that I've seen lately where you hear Jesus calling, you get in your prayer closet, like some popular. Circuit teachers are uh, in, in, certain, in certain large entities where they say, well, you know, God told me last night somebody in here has got this problem. No, he did not. He did not tell you that. Now, you may think, you know, I bet somebody's got that problem. But If anybody remembers Peter Popoff, remember him. They blew him out of the water. They uncovered his little in-ear thing and how his wife and he communicated. and He had these visions from God. And seven years later, he's back at it like nobody's business. No, God speaks to His Word. God speaks to His Word. And as for you, continue. The Word of God is the only way we have intimacy with God. The reason the songs that we sing in our assembly are worth anything is because they relate to the Scripture that God has used to reveal who He is and what He's done and what He said eternal life is this, Jesus says, John 17 3, that they know you, the one true God. Here Paul is saying the same thing. Hold fast. Continue in what you have learned. Continue in what you have learned. What have you learned, church? I know good and well what you're learning because I listen to the teaching here. I know what you're learning. You're learning Christ. You're learning God. You're learning truth. You're learning the power of God. And not only are you learning, but you're believing. You're believing. And belief comes through what? Hearing. Romans ten seventeen, Paul gives us long says, Oh, my brother's in the faith. My brother's in the flesh, rather. They're cut off from Christ. How I would love to give my own salvation up for my fellow kinsmen, for my Jewish relatives for those brothers of mine on the Sanhedrin for the Pharisees that put Jesus on the cross and whom I persecuted with all the zeal of my soul until God saved me in spite of me and took me and took my will and took my mind and caused me to see and blinded my eyes but he gave me eyes and my soul See, that's Paul's testimony and then that fool decides to appeal to Caesar and has to (laughs) Stay in jail for two years and he was free, you know? Why? Because he wanted to preach the gospel to the king and preach the gospel to Caesar and say, You are not Lord. That caused him some suffering. You're not Lord because only Jesus Christ is the Lord of all things. You hold the title because it's just a word, but you are not Him. Christ is Lord. Continue. Hold fast. You've been learning these things, and you believe in them because Christ has begun this work in you. Romans ten seventeen. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of Christ so that the Scripture is sufficient for salvation. Friends, I took four years of my life and studied for an advanced degree in apologetics. It was the worst waste of time I would have been better becoming a toenail painter, because I learned every argument in the book except how to just read the Bible to bring someone to the knowledge of faith. And, You know, my fourth year, I'm going, this is stupid. You know, could have had a, I could have had a Bible for ten dollars. You know, by that Lifeway bill that we used to have at those big churches, and ten, twelve thousand dollars a month. You're going, how much are Bibles? They don't expire. Oh, it's expired. It's expired curriculum. Just throw it away. Yeah. I knew it smelled funny. That's in any good because it's last quarter. The Bible doesn't expire. I didn't need all that stuff. I didn't need the wisdom of the world and philosophy. I didn't need, I didn't need all of the, uh, the intellect of the antiquity to come because it's a violation of what the bible even teaches we need christ that's all we need he needs nothing he needs nothing the word of god needs nothing to undergird it and no person can come to faith in christ through any side defense through any ulterior evidence is there evidence to support scripture absolutely is there scientific evidence you betcha Is there archaeological evidence? Man, more than I can put my finger on. What does it do for us? It gets us excited. Wow, look at this. my wife's a historian and an archaeologist and all sorts of different things that she enjoys reading through the Old Testament just in the last few weeks. She said, hey, this right here and this right here and all these prophecies, they were fulfilled in history. We could see it almost to the day in the historical record. That's exciting, but you know what it doesn't do? Regenerate me to salvation. Hold fast in what you firmly believe. And it's not just this academically, it's Christ. Why does Genesis 22 just wreck my soul? Because that's Jesus. That's Jesus. Isaac could not even atone, couldn't satisfy God if he had put a knife to him. God provides. Christ is enough. We learn Christ and we hold fast to Christ. And it's not just this New Testament either. What does he say in verse 15? How from your childhood you've been acquainted with the sacred writings. Of what? The Old Testament. It wasn't the Old Testament then. It was just the Testament. It was just Scripture. What I have been telling you is sufficient and scriptural Paul says, and what you were taught as a child is sufficient. You were taught by your mother and your grandmother. You were taught, and it says that these things were able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. See, this isn't new for Timothy. Salvation's new for Timothy. Salvation was something he hoped for and longed for and saw very dimly as a child but when the gospel came it was like boom it woke up he's like well i can see it i can see jesus in genesis i can see deuteronomy i can see numbers i can see it in leviticus i can see the exodus i see what passover is i see that jesus is my Pascha. he is my passover he is the lamb of god that takes away the sins of the world it's not about what i've done It's not about what I can do. It's not about the arguments that I have. It's not about how I'm going to shepherd these people to follow a certain path. It's all about what Christ has accomplished. And the word of God is sufficient to teach you that, Timothy. And the word of God is sufficient to hold you in that, Timothy. And the word of God is sufficient for you to teach others likewise. Isn't that what he's already about to say? I charge in the presence of God and Christ, who is the judge of the living and the dead, preach the word. He didn't say assimilate the, the sheep. He didn't say wash off the goats. He didn't say groom the dogs or any of those other types of things or tame the wolves. He says preach the word. Preach the word. The dogs will bark and the wolves will bite and the goats will mess all over themselves trying to be sheep and the sheep will hear their master's voice and they'll come to the pasture. When people talk about church growth to me. I got a chill that run up my spine because church growth is the way I was taught it some eighteen years ago, nineteen years ago, was something far different than what the scripture teaches. I will grow my church. The sheep will hear my voice. I will draw all men unto me. You know how we grow? Just what we're doing today holding fast to remember that the Word of God is all that we need. It's sufficient. It's sufficient. The Scripture gives you the wisdom for salvation. God does this for you, Timothy. That's the point of it all. That's the point of life. That's why you breathe, that you may give glory to God and the sufficiency of His revelation to you, that the world will mock you, but you know the truth. And Paul died for this. James and Peter and the rest of them died for this. John died in isolation. It's an old man. By the grace and the mercy of God. How do we overcome things you might ask? How do we have success in ministry? See, that's what we all look for, isn't it? What is success in ministry? Faithfulness faithfulness to remember that christ is the one who is faithful i mean he's already said that he does a, an allusion to several different passages in the old testament in chapter two of this second epistle to timothy he says remember christ jesus risen from the dead the offspring of david see he's going back to the old testament to the prophecies as preached in my gospel for which i'm suffering bound with chains as a criminal but the word of god is not bound see i'm in jail who cares God's not in jail. His Word's not in jail. Sometimes, and I have thought this before in my younger days, that, man, if I just didn't, couldn't get to this city, that nobody would be saved. If I, just, if I could just preach in front of this assembly, man, God would do some amazing things. Listen, I use this little joke in my church. I said, if a cat can meow, meow out the Bible, we better pay attention to it because it's just as authoritative and effectual as if a cat meows it out. Or if I'm it out Or anybody else meows it out We're just a voice God is the author God is the divine worker He is the one who brings it all to pass Therefore I, he says I endure everything for the sake of the elect That they may obtain the salvation That is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory the, For the Satan is trustworthy And this is, this is what's so cool about this If we've died with him We'll also live with him If we endure we'll also reign with him If we deny him He'll deny us see now it puts a little shake in our bones but oh, I mean we're not denying Christ I say, well I said well I've been a little bit faithless sometimes I haven't completely believed the scripture was enough in the circumstance of my home circumstance with illness circumstance with money circumstance with jobs circumstance with life life is tearing me upside down I feel like I'm about to drown and I've not been faithful to the word I've been trying to find another way of peace I've been trying to find another way of hope I've been trying to find another way of power I've asked for counsel in many different avenues of the world and somebody would give me the word and I'll, I'll say, oh yeah, but, you know, that's a, dangerous, that's a dangerous phrase, yeah, but. And so we'll feel faithless, but the next thing Paul says to Timothy, he says, if we are faithless, he remains faithful for he cannot deny himself. How do we know that? From the word of God. How can we be sure of that for god has said it through his scripture how can we hold fast to that because through the scripture god has given us faith and how much faith does it take not much at all hardly any if at all any but what is faith alone in christ that means not having any faith whatsoever in anything else but the smallest amount of hardly any faith in christ alone if we hold to the fact that the word of god is all we need and have no hope in anything else. And we've got all faith in the word. We've got all faith in Christ. We don't have to come to the place where we think we're like the martyrs. We're standing on the pyre. Burn me for Jesus. I mean, you know, if I'm thinking about that right now, I'm, like, I'm going to wing chung my way out of here. i got some, I got some guys, rednecks that can shoot and fight and big trucks. We'll get out of this. We'll preach another day. I'm not going to deny him, but I ain't going to burn easy either. You know? But God gives the grace that we need in the moment that we need it. And how does he do it? Through the word of God. The spirit of God moves through his scripture. The grace of God is given through the scripture. The scripture is sufficient. So that's how we overcome all things. That's how we overcome sin, temptation, and suffering. Why? How do we know that? How do we know scripture is all that in a bag of cake? Because of verse 16 and 17. See, I could just preach that, and I have preached verse sixteen and seventeen already, but I've done it in pieces already, leading up to it, and I'll help you see that. For all scripture, all scripture, all scripture is breathed out by God. Let me show you what that means. That means that every word written here has its origin in God's mouth, and God did not overcome mechanically, Paul. And Paul woke up and said, well, look at this letter I wrote. That's amazing. Wow, it doesn't even sound like me. No, it sounds just like Paul. That's why I believe Hebrews is written by Paul, because it sounds just like Paul. John He sat on that island and he wrote and he wrote and he wrote and he wrote and his mind was clear, his personality was in his writing, but every word that he wrote was carried along by the breath of God, God the Holy Spirit, put everything he wrote in his heart. Jesus said to his disciples that the Spirit will come and give you remembrance with everything that I've ever taught you. You know what that means? That we didn't have to have some photographic memory geniuses being apostles because God is the author of salvation. It is breathed out by God. The things that we love and the things that we don't love that much, the things that we don't quite understand and the things that are clear as a bell are breathed out by God. Friends, this is the foundation on which we sit here today and worship, saying that we have security for our salvation. If you want to know that you know that you know that you have eternal life, you must believe, believe, believe in the sufficiency of the word of God alone. Because the word of God tells us about the sufficiency of the work of Christ alone. The word of God tells us about the gospel, which is the power of God unto salvation alone. The word of God tells us that in the midst of the most horrific experience of suffering, that there is hope and glory and joy that is sometimes inexpressible because of what the Bible teaches us of who Christ is and what he's done for us. That's First Peter, by the way, chapter 1. all is breathed out by God. And the next thing he says is profitable. We like that word, right? None of us want to go in the hole. We don't want to be in the red. That's a terrible thing. We don't want to be in red spiritually. We don't be growing. We don't be in the red financially. We want to be in the black. We want to be in the profit. We want to be in the margins where we're seeing increase. We want to see our church increase. We want to see our ministry increase. We want to see our teaching increase. We want to see our maturity increase. So what do we do? What do we need? All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable. So what specifically is it profitable for? Well, it tells us right there, teaching. What kind of teaching? All teaching. Trigonometry? Come on now. Let's not be funny. The Bible tells us not to study trig. No, I'm playing. But what is that in the end? Something that's like cutting grass and vacuuming carpet. It's not eternal. How do I know that? Because I know what the Bible teaches is eternal and I can learn all sorts of other things just like I don't think about how I tie my shoes anymore, but I did learn how. It's gone. I do it in my sleep. don't think about it anymore. When we teach the Word of God, it sticks with us every day. Every aspect of everything we do. it's It's like a mist that encompasses all of our lives. Scripture is profitable for teaching. So if we want to teach each other that which is profitable, it must be the Word of God. People want counsel. It must be the Word of God. How many many times have we had that opportunity to share the gospel in a time of need for somebody else and we just didn't quite think it was the appropriate thing to say? Friends, it's always the appropriate thing to say. Everywhere we see the saints suffer in the New Testament, no matter what it was for, death, famine, etc., every time the Word of God responds with the promise of Christ, with the picture of hope that's in Christ. Yes, there are other things that we can talk about. We go to physical therapy to help our bodies when we break them. How do we get through that? What happens if the physical therapy won't help our bodies? What's the most interesting point of our joy that our bodies will be healed? No, that Christ, Christ suffered. And he was raised from the dead. We too shall live because Christ lives. Now, no, that doesn't help us get out of our circumstance, does it? But it sure puts our eyes on the prize instead of the problem. But we like to in our culture say, oh, you know, God's going to work this out for you. going to be great. And then they die and they're going, oh, I guess I called that wrong. No, that is Great. Well, my grandmother was dying of cancer 13 years ago 67 years old i'm thinking what in the world lord this is a, this is the matriarch of our family this is a spiritual head of 60 70 people don't you're not going to take her oh my goodness we're gonna we're gonna fall into some immaturity we might even we might become apostate surely she's not gonna die she died how do you deal with that and she got exactly what she was living And imagine ringing that bell up there. Jane, hey, we've got a 10-day pass. He goes, you must be crazy. Give it to somebody else. I'm not coming back to the world, <laughs> you see. But it's the perspective, and the perspective comes from the divine work of God through the Scripture. It's profitable for teaching. It's profitable, profitable for reproof, for getting on to somebody, for rebuking them. It's profitable profitable for correction. Correction's positive, right? Reproof sometimes negative. That's wrong. Correction is positive. This is what's right. No. You don't draw, you don't write like this, you know. When the kids first start to write and you're trying to get it to do right, you know, first start to eat, stick it in their ears, stick it in their nose. No, put it in your mouth. That's correction. We're not saying, that's silly. You're so silly. And you just slap it out of their hands. Maybe one day you'll learn. How- no, we teach. We teach. We correct. We, pr- we reprove. We do so in the faith. When we have attitudes and we have stress and we have fear. And sometimes we just don't feel like singing. Oh, it's Sunday. <laughs> you know? Oh, great. It's Monday. Oh, I hate my job. Oh, i got to clean the dishes. Oh, my gosh, that child of mine. I mean... What do we do? We, we, we need to go to what truly corrects us, what corrects our attitude. Put our eyes on that which is eternal, not what is temporal. And here's the latter part, training in righteousness. Now, I could teach a whole, I would, I teach a whole sermon on that particular phrase, except that the time that I've been given is not sufficient for that, and it would put you to sleep kept going in that regard but let me tell you what that means in a nutshell a lot of times we think oh that's to teach us how to live rightly okay that's one part but how do we truly live rightly before God how is it that we're to go to bed tonight and go man I tell you what Lord I I did a pretty good job today have you ever prayed that prayer I pray not (laughs) I mean I did a pretty good job today keeping my temper thank you maybe But don't ever lay down and go, man, I have really, man, I'm the epitome of righteousness. The example of my life is just, I I should be the next poster child of goodness. What is to train in righteousness? Not only do we learn all the things that we're supposed to do, but we learn all the things that we cannot do. And most importantly, we learn everything that Christ has done. So that our hope is in Christ, and when we learn Him, we're trained in righteousness. That's what training in righteousness See, that's a whole sermon there, brother. It's, a whole, it's an hour. We're trained in righteousness when we are taught Christ, not behavior modification, not all those other things that I talked about earlier, felt needs, not programs and, 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 and other types of ministries, not laws, not strict standards, but Christ. And how do we learn Christ? Through the Word of God alone. That is the meat and potatoes of living. I came that you may have life and have it more abundantly. Life abundant is learning Christ and learning that only Christ satisfies God. The only human being who will ever, ever, in the face of God the Father, be looked at and said, there is the righteousness of my soul, is Jesus the Christ. And if we want to learn righteousness, we better learn that it's by faith alone in the work of Christ. You know what people call me when I say that? anti You're saying we can just sin how we want to? Nobody said that, but I'm going to tell you: you can try as hard as you want to not to sin, but if you're not trusting in the righteousness of Christ, you're going to hell. You're hell-bound, you're condemned. Christ alone saves us from His wrath. Why? Because He's the only one that can do it, He's the only one that's worthy. So no matter what we're facing, Learning that we are righteous in Jesus alone. It's imputed. It's not ours. Paul says it's an alien righteousness. Paul even claimed to have perfection in the walking in the law, but that doesn't get him any closer to God. Friends, when we recognize through the word of God that our righteousness is only the work of Christ, that it's Him, you know what that does to our soul? When we see the reality of who we are and we see the failings and the faithfulness, we know what Paul means when he says he remains faithful. We will not be cast away, for we've been given to the Son by the Father. How do we know that? Because the Word of God teaches us that, and the Spirit of God through the Scriptures sufficiently seals us in that hope, even when we fail to believe it. And in verse 17, all this works, and all this happens, And all this truth is so that the man of God may be complete. What else do I need in order to shepherd God's people? Nothing but to learn the Bible. Some other things that are helpful, but nothing really but to learn Scripture. Equipped for every good work. You want to be equipped for every good work? You're in the right place. You're holding the right book or the right tablet. This is all we need. For Christ is the living Word of God. And in Him alone do we have our hope. Let's pray. We thank You, Lord. Father, for just a blessed time of worship through the Word, through song and through prayer. And I pray, Lord, for this congregation, for this spiritual family, Father. We pray often, daily, weekly, as much as You bring to mind, Lord that you would continue the work that you began. And we praise you, Father, that your promises are true. We praise you that your word is sufficient. Lord, help us to fight the temptation to find other answers when the word of God is for us and for our joy and for our equipping. And Lord, even when we don't have the strength to dive into Scripture, Lord, give us the discipline to do so. When we don't think anything will good come from it, Give us the discipline to do so. Father, please. Please, Lord, help us to remember the promise that Christ is the Lamb that took away our sin. And I praise You, Father, for Your glorious grace. Drive us all to the pages of this text. Before we turn on the telly, before we do anything else, Lord, Help us to have eaten true bread. And Lord, only by Your Spirit will our flesh overcome its weakness. So I pray that today for us and for the other sheep around us. Drive us to Your Word. In Jesus' name.